Hello, Georgia. Hello, Metro Augusta. And hello, wherever you are. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the January 3rd edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, today's show is brought to you as a service of Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, which is my management consulting firm where we provide services to local government and nonprofit organizations. If you have not already, please follow Local Matters Podcast of Georgia on Facebook. And of course, we ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. When you follow and subscribe, you'll get notifications of when we post new episodes and other information, and that also lets us know that you support our efforts. Well, we have reached January of 2024, believe it or not. Um, as these years pass by, it seems like they pass by more quickly and more quickly, but especially 2023 just seemed to fly by um, in a dash. So here we are at the beginning of a brand new year. And as I start off talking about the brand new year, I want to quote my Charlotte pastor, Reverend Dr. Casey Kimbrough. And he talked about how goals are dreams with a date on them. So if we have any specific things that we want to get done this year, we know we can't get them done unless we are intentional about them. So I encourage you to think intentionally, encourage you to think with schedules and dates, not to pressure yourself, but to make sure that you hold yourself accountable in terms of those things that you want to happen in 2024 in your life. Of course, this is going to be an election year for a lot of local and state offices. And as we approach this year, we'll make sure to build in time and our schedule for coverage of all of those elections. And again, we'll try to bring in candidates who can help you get a better understanding of who it is that you need to support for the various offices that are on the ballot in 2024. Also, today, I want to introduce a guest who, again, is from out of town. You know, part of my goal here is to help people have a better understanding of a local government and how it works. So today, we're going to talk about what we consider to be the hidden service of local government, and that is public works. A lot of times, a lot of other local government services get a lot more attention. Uh, but trust me, these are the folks in the trenches that really makes some things happen for us um, that we would not be um, in a good position if we didn't have these folks out here working for us on a regular basis. Local Matters family, today we have a treat and that is a guest from Peoria, Arizona. As you know, from time to time, we'll have people in from different areas of the country um, to emphasize and highlight the fact that local government is relevant everywhere and anywhere. So how are you doing today, Joseph? I'm doing good, doing good. Today is the day after Thanksgiving. So I don't know if I'm gonna be eating at all today because I ate enough yesterday, but I'm doing good, doing good. Yeah, I'm going to eat some today, too. <laughs> I've already decided. There's no question. Okay. <laughs> you doing leftovers or what you got? Something new? I, I, got? I do leftovers because, you know, you I cook a lot of stuff and, you know, we can eat leftovers. My kids will probably take some back to, you yeah. know, where they live and all that stuff. So anyway. So when, when is it when is it too long to eat leftovers? Like when, when is it four days? 
Is it Monday? Four, is it Tuesday? four days is about my my okay. standard. Um, okay. <laughs> I um I yeah, and my and I don't tire of leftovers as quickly as my family members do because uh I actually cooked, you know. Okay. I, so I'm emotionally tied to yeah. the food, you know. It's like I worked hard yeah. for this. So yeah, I'm gonna yeah, do yeah. my labor. Um but anyway, so yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So glad to to have you on this day after okay. Thanksgiving, and um, I want to talk a little bit about your role. You are founder of Nintendo, where you do workforce development, and you do you have a workforce development tool that actually develops the workforce. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and in that, it seems to imply that some of the tools don't necessarily develop the workforce. Is that what you're in it? <laughs> so in a certain way, yes. Yeah. In a certain yeah. way, yes. Tell me a little bit more about that. We're curious. Okay, a little bit more about me or Vitendo, which one? a little bit more about why you think some of the other tools don't develop the workforce. Well, so when I first got in the industry, and I'll, I'll get in the backstory in a little bit, but I feel like the way to train somebody new to your industry should be optimized. Optimized meaning, and I say this to everybody, I say, you said you went to Lowe's to get a faucet, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure when you, when you before you went and got the faucet, you probably went on YouTube to find a video to how to install that faucet and how it's supposed to properly work. Because 99% of people do that. We go on YouTube to find a video, uh, to find a product or a service to to figure out how to operate or fix it. And that's what I think most local governments should do with their operations is be able to put their best practices, put their institutionalized knowledge or the tribal knowledge on video so that newer generation can watch those videos to be trained up on it. Instead of sending young Billy out with old Bobby, not sorry, not old Bobby, seasoned Bobby. <laughs> seasoned Bobby has been there for 35 plus years. He knows where every wet well is, knows where every manhole is, knows everything about the the utilities in that city why can't we capture what he does on video and then give it to young to the youngster so he can train himself up that way instead of sending him out in the field and listening to war stories and, and a whole bunch of nuance that he hasn't been able to pick up on why can't he watch a whole bunch of pieces of micro content to be trained up that way okay and tell me, so you're basically engaged in the business of having seasoned Bob <laughs> explain what he knows yes. and yes. recording that so that that can be used for training purposes into perpetuity, basically. Yep. Yeah, know? it's okay. it's a function. It's a function of if you buy a piece of equipment. You know, after three, five years, that piece of equipment gets its own personality. Like sometimes you got to clap three times, three times and stomp your feet to turn it on. You know, there's a certain, you know, you, the way it comes off of the, the showroom floor isn't how it operates three years later. And only so many guys know that about that piece of equipment. So if you put somebody brand new on that piece of equipment, he's going to think it's going to be showroom floor ready when it's not. So why not get that that tribal knowledge, those little instances or that nuance about that piece of equipment or that process on video to where the guy can watch and go, oh, this is how I operate this piece of equipment. Okay, got it. And does Season Bob ever get like really cranky and say... <laughs> I don't, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. I know how to do it, but it's hard for me to explain. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's, and that I always say Michael Jordan will probably be the worst basketball coach because Michael Jordan is so far above a rookie coming to the, into the NBA. 
because there's so much there's the, the 20 30 thousand hours michael jordan put in just surpassed so much nuance so many little gaps that he hasn't had to fill in with brain knowledge because his muscles memorized it you know because he's done it thousands of times to where he can't explain it. It just does it. His body just automatically mm-hmm. does it. And that's the thing. Season Bob, he's done it so many times. He knows so much. It's hard for him to get it across to somebody new because it's it's just in him. And that's why I say you have to be able to explain to season Bob. They're like, hey, you're really, really good at this. We need you to kind of explain how it works. And then we'll cross-reference that with how it's supposed to work coming off the showroom floor with like the operations manual or even the salesman or the manufacturer that sold you the piece of equipment. Right. Okay. And sometimes I don't, I don't mean to say this in a condescending <laughs> sort of way, but yeah, they just aren't used to that training role. I mean, yeah, so I, yeah. I would imagine that there are some, uh, sometimes season gym may do better than season Bob. Uh-huh. And how does the organization figure out who they really going to put on the video to, to <laughs> pursue that process? And that's, that's been, that's probably been one of my biggest struggles is I, I can, I can, Introduce the idea. They love the idea because the concept makes sense. You know, making micro pieces of content, micro videos that somebody can watch to train themselves. But I would say one of the instances is sometimes it's gatekeeping, gatekeeping information, because sometimes seasoned Jim doesn't want to let the youngster know what he knows because that's his job security. I mean, we've right. all seen that before. Like, if I hold the keys to all this, <laughs> I'm so I'm this valuable. You know, nobody can take my job because I know how to do this work. And that's where you have to get to a, you know, internally in a in a soft skill manner, explain to them like, hey, we're gonna immortalize you, meaning we're gonna take your information because you're the best at doing this. And we're going to put this on video and in perpetuity, you're going to be the instructor that's going to instruct all these younger kids coming into this city. And they're going to see you on the video explain it. They're going to see you at the coffee shop with your grandkids and say, hey, you're the guy explaining how to do that one process. And right. you kind of, I wouldn't say you have to sell it to them, but you have to explain it to them that, hey, like we're, we need you for this. And, you know, you're going to retire in 19 months and, you know, you're, I know you're counting down. So this mm-hmm. is a way for you to give back on your way out of your position. OK. And I would imagine they do find that flattering that, that you know, oh, I was every, selected to do this. Oh, if, if you've been doing something for a, a good amount of time and you're competent at it, you want like what they say, every man wants to have his lineage go on. Like we mm-hmm. want to be able to give back. It just has to be presented in the right way where he doesn't feel threatened right right it's it's a compliment hey Mm -hmm. you are so proficient at this and you do such a good job explaining step by step what you do that we want you to be the person to do this and do you find yourself i would imagine coaching them through sort of the video too when you're Um, you know Probably the first the first three to five videos, you kind of coach them. But once they realize the flow and the and the, the mm-hmm. tempo, they pretty much take it and run with it because you would tell them like, hey, I don't care about how many filler words you use. I don't care if you pause because all that can be edited out. And so you explain them like, hey, just 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 talk it, talk your way through it like you're explaining to me, you know, the guy behind the camera how to do your pre-trip checks on this piece of equipment or how to how to properly service this pump. 
and you're explaining and I mic them up and I put the camera on them and all of that. And they explain it. And then after the couple of times, they start to find their groove and then they're off and running. And then they're just, they're thinking of other stuff to talk about. Oh, we should explain this or oh, we should explain that because they realize that like, this isn't a 45 minute long video. It's usually a whole bunch of three to five minute long videos. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So how did you come to this, this <laughs> business model? How did you come to the whole, you know, field of public works? Sure. You know, how did you get into any of this? Can you trace us through the arc of your career? Sure. So my background has been in video pretty heavy. I mean, I took one class or there was a class in college that I took. It was a marketing class and they forced us to buy these little mini flip cameras and we had to start a, a blog. And, you know, I've never been one that wanted to be on video, but it was kind of fun not necessarily um, recording myself, but just recording my friends doing what we're doing in college. And then I would, and this was the early years of Facebook. And so I would record a video, I would edit it at the, you know, on the, on the, the school's computers, and then I would post it on Facebook. And then I saw the response, like people love to watch and we weren't doing anything special, but like, you know, driving to football practice, leaving football practice and people liked it. And so I realized that video and the way it, it became, I say democratized, it wasn't that you didn't have to spend a hundred thousand dollars for a camera and only could use it at a certain studio. Like it was literally a $60 camera that could fit in your pocket. And I would use, you know, and, and, and that's where I said, okay, I'm going to get good at videos. So once I graduated college, I started shooting a ton of stuff for my church, which is like the easiest way to get in because they want video. And then, you know, mm -hmm. in church, you know, it, it's good for video. And then also I started shooting a ton of music videos. Mm -hmm. which we had a lot of rappers in my local area and it was just, it was fun. And, and it was one Where of those things from? like I'm from, from? Pit, the Bay area, California. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. And yeah, Bay area, California, a ton of rappers and everybody wanted video. And again, it became cheaper to actually produce. And then I realized, I mean, after having job and job and job, like that I wanted to do more with video. And then I, there was a point in my life where I had some I had some time and I wanted to get into an industry where I can play a long term game with long term people. I didn't mm -hmm. want to keep going from job to job to job to job. So I wanted an actual career. And mm -hmm. so I got into public works and I got in on the side of selling heavy equipment to cities. And then I realized I would sell you guys a half a million dollar piece of equipment, like literally half a million dollars, five hundred thousand dollars. I would go out there. I train everybody up on everything. But then two months later, they forgot 80% of what I told them, or they're only using like 20% of what I told them on that piece of equipment. So guys would call you and say, hey, man, like, how did you do this one thing again? Or how can I do that? Mm -hmm. Or this truck doesn't do this. I thought we were, it was supposed to do this. I'm like, dude, I trained you guys on all this stuff. So what I started doing was that I would go out to my dealership to the yard and I would take my phone and I would shoot selfie video. Like, hey, guys, thank you for buying the truck. Here's how you turn on the water. Here's how you mm -hmm. properly service the water pump. Here's how you do this and that. And I would text those videos to the supervisors. And then the supervisor, he would in turn text it to his lead operators who were out in the field to say, hey, I see you're having issues with that. I just talked to the salesman. He sent me this video. Here's how you get unstuck. And mm -hmm. the, the, the supervisors were like, man, this is like, do you have more videos? Because I want to give my new <laughs> employees, you know, these 5, 10, 15 videos so they can kind of know what's going on with that piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. And that's where that uh, that that light bulb went off. And I thought like, OK, the custom aspect of, of filming a guy on his truck in his dirt or water in his city makes so much more sense than these super overproduced 
polished videos that the manufacturers put out that kind of have nothing to do with the application of what the cities are using them for. And granted, they help, but like you want to have something custom to what you have. And that's where I decided to give it the time and attention. I deemed it, you know, it deserved to see if the business can take off. And uh, two years later, I'm still having fun with it, still doing it. And I, I think it was just that marriage of video and public works. And then also my first year in my public works job or selling uh, heavy equipment to public works was uh, I spent, I, he was 69 years old, you know, and, and a seasoned guy in the industry, been in it for 30 something years. And he pretty much downloaded all the information he had in his brain <laughs> into my brain through a year of writing together, which is a lot. And I, I was like, man, why can't I just put this guy on camera? And he just talked through everything he's right, talking about. right. Chew the meat, you know, edit out the, the you know, the fat and keep the meat, spit out the bones and then use this for all the other uh, employees in my dealer that who couldn't ride with the guy every day. And I'm thinking like I'm getting all this information, but not everybody else is. And that's where I noticed that, like, there's so many guys leaving the industry and they just want to be able to impart their wisdom and knowledge on the younger generation. But there's nobody there to capture it. And, yeah, there's plenty of SOPs on PDF. But let's be honest, the millennial Gen X, Gen Zer, they're not going to read this 40 page PDF on an SOP. They want to watch, you know, 10, four minute long videos on demand when they need them. And that's where the idea came from. I'm going to pause for a second. Joseph, as you talk about this, I'm reminded of a couple of phrases for us to, to follow up on. One of them is the brain drain, because we know mm -hmm. lots of organizations everywhere and the local government in particular um, has experienced the loss of uh, organizational history, um, loss of, of information, technical information in this particular case. And the other thing that came to mind is just how expensive it is to run a local government organization, because you just make reference to pieces of equipment that are often half a million dollars a piece. And I'm not sure the average person has a clue of how expensive it really is to run a government. You know, that's why yeah. you look at government organizations and their budgets are in the hundreds of millions of dollars or even billion dollar budgets. And that's why. <laughs> because purchasing yeah. these pieces of equipment, you've got your salary costs and so forth, benefits yeah. costs, and then yeah. you've got equipment costs and facilities yeah. costs, all those things that really make it expensive to run a high quality organization. And and you would know more than me, you've been on the HR side of things, like how expensive it is to uh, to go to a hire somebody like put out the, you know, the bid or whatever for a new employee, you get it approved a new, you know, X amount of people apply. You got to go through the interview process. You find one right in praying that it's the right person. And then you have to train them how expensive that is just to get them up to a low level of competency to where you can send them out in the field and say, go and do work, <laughs> you know, start making <laughs> yeah. us some money. Yeah. Finally, like that long slog of a process. And, you know, and like I said, you know, you know what that feels like. But on my end, I know what it feels like to be training a guy. He's on his third week out in the field. He is so eager to learn, but there's nothing set in place for him to just grab and take in his own time. A lot of these guys will watch these videos in their cars. They'll watch them in their free time at home. They don't have to do it at work. And like if there's nothing for a guy to be able to glean from or, or watch to, to get up to speed or to know what he's going to be doing the next day going to be hard to keep that guy and then let's say he leaves because he doesn't feel like he's supported or, or you feel like he's gets the training he deserves now you have to do it again and how expensive that is again 
Yeah, it's very expensive. I, I saw something recently that cost you're looking at a year salary, a year and a half Ooh. salary just to get them sort of where you want to be. When you look at what it takes you to get the person in, you know, your recruitment cost and, you know, the time it takes for HR to work through their process to, you know, screen <laughs> candidates, get somebody yeah. in, you go through the interview process, you go through your drug testing and yeah, um, yeah. anything else, you know, any assessments or anything you have them do. And then the training period, getting them acclimated. Yeah, it could easily be the cost of a year salary um, yeah. to the uh, a salary uh, times, you know, 1.5 of a salary <sighs> in yeah. order to, to really get somebody up to speed. So yeah, very expensive to yeah. acquire a person and, and get them where you need them to be in order to fully contribute to the role. Yeah. And the equipment piece uh, what costs half a million dollars? Give me an example. We're talking backhoes, jack, a sewer jack. truck, talking about? You know, a combination truck that, that flushes the sewer down line or, or cleans mm -hmm. it out or, or vacuums the sewer out of the manhole. Yeah, I call those jet vacs. Yeah, yeah, jet vac. There you go. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh -huh. jet vac. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but, so, but yeah, so those things half a million now. Okay, yeah, well, they could be up to 600,000. Yeah, I could, yeah. 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 And, and imagine you buy a six hundred dollar six hundred thousand dollar car for your person, like your personal car. Or let's say you spend 60 grand for a personal car, mm -hmm. but you only you only drive you only drive to or from work for with it. You don't use the air conditioning. You don't use the windows. You don't use the radio. That's kind of like what's happening out there because you, they buy the six hundred thousand dollar truck, but they only use so much of it because they don't know that they can do this. They can do that. They can operate this or, or else like they're they're not changing out the filters. And that six hundred thousand dollar truck is supposed to last them 12 years, but it lasts them six. Now you have another six hundred thousand dollar expense. Oh no, it's going to be years. seven by then. It's going to be seven by the oh, time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, with inflation, it'll be seven. But you only use it for six years when it's supposed to be for twelve years. So that that stuff adds up. And and I know plenty of guys out in the field. They want to do right by the taxpayers' dollars. And I'm like, dude, train your employees to where they can do right by the taxpayer dollars by doing right by that piece of equipment or that process. Okay. And as you say that, um, I was thinking about, uh, you know, the fact that we also <clears throat> hire people that, you know, folks consider to be low skill workers, <laughs> so to speak, oh. um, to operate these extraordinarily expensive pieces yeah. of equipment. Yeah, yeah. So I think that speaks to a the need for training, as you have yeah. talked about, but it also I think speaks to the need for more respect for the folks that we sit behind the wheel of that truck. Sure, and and I I, I call the concept just in time training. So imagine an Uber driver. Uh, most of us have ridden Uber. You know, it, all an Uber driver has is is a car and a smartphone. And what the car does, it helps them get from A to B. And the smartphone gives them the directions of how to get from A to B. So why not Uberize your workflow? Like why not every morning a guy knows he has to flush X amount of you know uh, feet of line, or or they have to go and repair this uh, wet well pump, or they have to you know go and take the brooms off a street sweeper, or they know they have to go put in some uh, street lights. If they can literally wake up in the morning, get to work, get their work order, and find a link. To, for three videos that shows them exactly how, the, how to do that job for that day. Like, 
confidence breeds competence or competence breeds confidence. When you know how to do something, you're going to be more likely inclined to show up and, and with a good attitude and want to do that task because you know how to do it. So if you empower a guy to say, okay, these five videos will get you through everything you're going to do today. So go ahead and take these videos out in the field, go ahead and do your task. Instead of, you know, a guy needing to have two years of knowledge of like how to put in a, you know, a, a stoplight, he can just watch some videos and, you know, play it. Okay. Watch it. Press pause. Okay. Do some work. Play it again. Okay. Watch or pause it. Do some more work and then, and then find his way through. Because again, if you have to take out the battery on your personal car, or if you have to, you know, fix your faucet at home, that's what you're doing on YouTube. So why not a guy be able to do that at work and then have that confidence to where he's like, okay, I can show up tomorrow because I know I'm going to get exactly the directions that I need to be able to, to complete a task. You can hire robots for that's all robots do. That's all computer code is. So it doesn't matter if they're low skilled or high skilled, you should be able to hire somebody with a good attitude and some good energy and say, hey, here's the five videos you're going to need for today. Go ahead and do work. Yeah. And, and, and I think the point I was alluding to was that we consider this guy a lower skilled worker, but he's really not, that is really not doing him justice, no, um, you know, for what he has to do to competently do that job. Yeah. The importance of his job. Yeah. Because yeah, you know, you know, you need to trust somebody if you're going to turn him loose with a $600,000. Yeah. You know, yeah. And um, when you were talking about how people get minimal functionality out of these oh. really expensive pieces of equipment, yeah. you know, yeah. I had really thought about that most frequently with information technology related mm. things. Yeah. Um, we'll purchase a software package or something yeah. and then yeah. figure out it can do this and it can do that. And I said, well, why, why haven't we been doing all that with it? <laughs> You know, yeah, and it is yeah. because, yeah, many times the lack of training and experience. Just, yeah, with exactly. Like how many times have you decided to send an email and you're like, I don't want to send this email right now. And really you're in the mode of like cranking out emails. Mm -hmm. You can literally like I do on Gmail, I literally draft the email and then it allows you to set it at a different day. Like instead of me sending you an email on Friday at the end of the day, I can right. schedule to go out Tuesday right. morning to where it makes schedule. more sense. And I've worked with people who don't even know that. And they're like, I mean, like, of course, you're not. You're always behind because you're not. You have an hour to do this stuff. Why not get all those right. things scheduled to right. where you can have those emails go out automatically or even use calendar alerts? Like if you have to fill out a certain form, like use a task to where it, it, it reminds you to get that task done. You know, it reminds it, your calendar reminds you to get something done instead of right. just writing it on a legal pad and, you know, leaving right. your legal pad at home. Yeah, leaving the legal pad at home, you lose <laughs> it. Where is that? And you flip through yeah. a million pages trying to look through where it is. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So you're right. So we have all these great capacities. We're paying for all those great capacities. Yeah. And then we yeah. don't normally use them, which I, in another way, appears to be a waste of the taxpayer dollar. Mm. Uh, to an extent, which is to say we owe it to the taxpayers to get maximum functionality out of those software packages and yeah. pieces of equipment yeah. uh, and technology, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So as you have done this work, it's interesting Now you started, you know, basically recording rap videos. <laughs> is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you started recording rap videos um, and now you've evolved into 
uh, public works, uh, appropriate utilization of public works equipment. Uh -huh. um, did you ever dream you'd get here? And had you ever heard of public works when you were doing <laughs> rap videos? No, no, I'll be honest. Like, you know, I always ask the question, what do, what happens to your, you know, when you flush the toilet? And nobody knows. And I didn't know until I got in the industry. But I had a mentor. And it was interesting. Like I said, I had some time. And I was I was literally going to Africa for my birthday to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And I remember he he sent me an email. He's like, "Yeah, you gotta find a um, you gotta find an industry where you can play a long term game with long term people." And that's public works. Like, once you get in, it's kind of you know a lot of people don't get out, or else they get out and they kind of stay around, you know, in the, in the same uh, pool. But uh, I knew it was a, it would be a long term game because it's it's a higher price, you know, a piece of equipment. And it made sense. And so when I came down off the mountain, <laughs> you know, I knew that I wanted to get into public works. And that's where my brain, I, I wanted to learn everything about it. I wanted to know all the players and I wanted to I wanted to, to be so immersed in it that like I couldn't fail at like having the conversation around public works. And then once I got into the position, it just, you know, it blew my mind from there, just how important these jobs are. And then like how how I wouldn't say disrespected, but just undervalued these guys are. Like I said, I, I created the Public Works podcast because I felt like the guys that I became friends with in Public Works, they didn't get the same type of energy that like police and fire and EMT nurses got during COVID. And I took offense to it. I'm like, I want to start a podcast where I can highlight the guys who I think are frontline essential workers. And I did. And like we're 200 something episodes later and I'm still having fun with it but yeah did i know about public works before getting into it not not completely but i'm glad i do now okay. 200 episodes wow man that's impressive yeah, <laughs> yeah i i feel like everybody has a story I, I wish i could interview everybody in public works mm -hmm. but i feel like 10 years from now we'll interview everybody because everybody has their own story yeah everybody definitely has their own story um yeah it's interesting you talk about what happens when you flush a few uh, years ago, going back, I was on the leadership Albany. Albany, Georgia was one of the places that I worked in local government. I was their city manager at that time, and I was on the leadership Albany. It was uh -huh. a program I was in, and I, I had done the program. And then as a graduate, I was planning other programs for folks. And when it came to government day, nobody would ever talk about public works. You know, when I went through the program, government day, you know, you might talk to the the county administrator or talk to some elected officials, but nobody ever dug down and got into yeah. departmental operations. And I said, you know, let's make the title of this, what happens when you flush? Uh, so that. they went out yeah. to, I had them go out to the wastewater treatment plant. That <laughs> love it. Because it's there. And again, they're paying for it. You know, yeah, so yeah, and and that is a very essential service. Sure. Yeah. There <laughs> being able to flush is a very yeah. essential service. Like so. people will be more more uh, forgiving if the water didn't come out of their faucet and they had to like go down a safe way and get some water bottles. Mm -hmm. But just imagine somebody flushed their toilet and it didn't leave. Like <laughs> they pick it up the phone, they calling somebody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And traditionally, public works, just so we know it public, so our audience knows public works may mm. have different definitions yeah, in yeah, other yeah. cities, you know, but basically standard uh, garbage collection is a public yeah. work service, uh, street maintenance, yep. um, sewers. Yeah. <laughs> as you Wastewater, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and then utilities departments may provide water or may provide sewer, but water also yeah. is considered public work service. So those, when you think underground, underground utilities uh -huh. and roads maintenance, garbage collection, all those sorts of things are public work services. And we are very, very dependent upon those yeah. on a daily, daily basis, you know, the basis, you know, you're talking about storm drainage. Uh, ditch maintenance, all that kind yeah. of stuff. And people typically, I, what I found, they don't hold the glamour of, say, public safety mm -hmm. because fire and police are always out talking about how they're protecting us. And yeah. they are. Yeah. And I, and I yeah. don't want to take anything away from that. Yeah. They, they are protecting <laughs> us. Yeah. But, you know, the folk that are providing clean water, they're also protecting you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and you know that that is protection. You know when you yeah. got street signal, traffic signals, and stop signs, that's protection. Yeah. So yeah. I think all of that just deserves more. Uh, the public deserves more of an understanding of yeah. what those services are and how important they are to their day to day public safety, health, and yeah. safety as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Having been in sales and tell mm -hmm. you, I'm, I'm not the salesperson. I'm the person that typically runs away from a salesperson. Do you like <laughs> doing surprised. sales? Do you like doing so, sales? And I, I have to push back just a little bit because you said I'm not the type of person to do sales. Mm -hmm. But if you think of just the the, the basic, the, the foundation of what a sale is, usually what a sale is, is, is a transference of energy. My energy transfers to you you we kind of have the same energy about a certain problem and then you're willing to part with certain amount of dollars to solve that problem right so you probably do this all day every day like hey hey guys you guys want to go to chipotle tonight and like the way you say it how you say it when you say it that's a sale that's a pitch no, you know what yeah. i'm saying and then when everybody says yeah let's go to chipotle that's you just you just got a sale or like mm -hmm. when you when you go to um you know you go to one of the the elected officials and say hey you know, we got to get this certain budget passed. Like that's a pitch. And then when they say yes or no, that's either you get the sale or you don't get the sale. So we're all selling all day, every day. Oh, but to, to, to answer the question you're asking. Persuasion. Yeah. It's persuasion. <laughs> but yeah, I've had to do that a million times on budgets. Sure. You know, and and you've learned certain what you learn certain ways to say it, certain times to say it, certain ways to present it to persuade them to get you what you want. And but but I'll I'll answer the question that you're asking. Um my sale, like me in sales, is not necessarily me trying to convince somebody that um that they need to do business with Vitendo. It's mainly showing them and, and, and exposing the issue that yes, you do have turnover. Yes, you do have you know seasoned operators leaving the industry. And yes, you will have to rehire. And the the most optimal way to train somebody is through video because we all do it that way. Yes, you can do ride-alongs and stuff like that, but video is a way that we can shoot it once and have that video forever. So it's me just, ex like my biggest, I guess, plight is just exposing them to this concept because we all, like, again, we all use YouTube that, you know, like if people want to cook something, you'll go to Instagram or YouTube to know how to, you know, put a, a peach pie together. So we all learn these ways to, to train ourselves. And I just expose it to them in that way to say, hey, this is the most optimal way to train somebody. And I'm not like using weird, creepy tactics 
tactics on how to do that. But like, I get it. Guys in public works, I mean, you've been, you're busy. You get pitched 50 times a day. You probably get a hundred emails a day with just a whole bunch of advertising stuff. So I have to present in a way that A, doesn't make me seem like creepy because it is a new service, you know, to public works. But I, it's, again, I just, I, I, I try my hardest just to explain the concept and let them take it and run with it. Because again, the concept works no matter if you love me or not. You know, some guys will say, oh, we could do this in-house. We have a videographer in-house. And I go, oh, okay. Well, you could have did the last five to 10 years, but you didn't. So why not? I would say it's like losing weight. We all know to lose weight. We need to move more and eat less, right? But do most of us do it? No. But if we did, if we hired a personal trainer and paid them money to do it, then we will more, be more likely to get our result from doing that activity. So yeah, my do I like going out and doing sales and knocking on doors? No, but I do like explaining this the certain concept and seeing if they like it or not. Okay. And and explaining how it had some value uh, and sure. provide a solution to to a very real problem in government. Yeah. I've talked to uh some organizations that have, you know, just humongous vacancy rates right now. Yeah. Um due some of it due to the pandemic, some of it due to, you know. Folks don't go into public works careers a lot of times because they don't know what they are. You know, mm-hmm. obviously it's not a glamour profession. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, it's just hard to find folks to do some things. You know, you don't, you're not going to find public works on the Real Housewives of Potomac. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so, you know, people just don't know about it. Yeah. Consider it something that you know folks would think about doing. Um, if people want to learn more about your podcast, the Public Works Podcast that yeah. you've done two hundred episodes of, wow! <laughs> How long have you been doing that? Um, probably when the pandemic started. Well, no, towards the end of the pandemic, like twenty twenty one December. I think that's when I first cranked out a couple couple first episodes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. a couple of years. Yeah, and where, where would they find those episodes if they want to? So be? I would start off. Follow me on LinkedIn. Um, that's where I, pro, pro, I guess, produce ninety percent of my content. Of course, I'm on YouTube at Vitendo Training Solutions. Um, but literally, if you Google the Public Works Podcast, you'll see some episodes, and that's where you can start to find it from there. The Public Works Podcast, and I will yeah. also let people know that we've done a swap cast. So yeah. I, um, he is Joseph is now a guest on Local Matters, and I'm not a guest on the Public Works Podcast where I share. <laughs> Uh, war stories from over the years and a little knowledge that I've gained over these yeah. decades in, in local government. So um, please look for the Public Works Podcast on Google that. Look for it on YouTube and tell me how they reach you if they want to speak with you personally, Joseph. Yeah. Again, they can go to vitendo.us, V-I-T-E-N-D-O.us. That explains the service of what I talked about. And then you can find my email address and inquiry forms and all that on there. Okay. And last question. Is there anything you wish I had asked you that I didn't? Um, anything you wish you'd asked me? Not necessarily. Most in regarding the podcast. Um, yes, I want to interview everybody on the podcast. So don't be afraid to reach out. Um, it's again, I feel like everybody has their own story and trajectory into the industry. I feel like there's a lot of youngsters out there who are trying to find their way in life. And if they could listen to a Janice. Janice's episode and and hear how she got into the industry and how she navigated her way through the industry, that'll make them more confident in taking their steps into the industry. Because again, a lot of young kids go to basketball, football, sports, they go to uh, tech because it's all over the place. It's everywhere. So why not make public works that same way and plaster it everywhere? 
All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Local Matters Podcast of Georgia. You are so now great. part of our family. <laughs> Thank you. I close with my favorite Bible verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. or Thursday at 7 p.m. here on 103.7 FM or 1600 AM. Or please go to SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts at any time because local matters.